Welcome to Under the Bleachers. This is a podcast that explores all things sports, all things queer, and the fabulous intersection where queer and sports meet. This podcast is brought to you by Team DC, the nonprofit association of LGBTQ plus sports and recreation organizations in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Laura. I'm the vice president of Team DC, and I've played and loved sports my whole life. I've played with Team DC member clubs, the DC Furies Women's Rugby Club, and Rogue Darts. And I'm Gabe. I'm also on the board of Team DC, and I'm a diehard sports fan. I've played with many of the Team DC member clubs, including the DC Gay Flag Football League, Kara Bowling, Stonewall Kickball, Rogue Darts, and the Washington Scandals Rugby Football Club. I'm also a member of the DC Different Drummers, and I do a little bit of drag on the side. We hope you enjoy this week's trip under the bleachers. Welcome everyone, Lauren Gabe here. It's our last episode of season two of Under the Bleachers. We will be on hiatus after this week and will return with new episodes in the fall. In the meantime, we will re-release some of our favorite past interviews so that you can catch them if you missed it the first time around. On this podcast, we take turns and this week it's Gabe's turn to choose our topics. He failed to write the opening song he promised us with a roundup of the year's top stories. So instead, for our discussion of all things queer, he chose SCOTUS's year-end review. For our conversation on all things sports, we're talking about poor sportsmanship by a San Diego high school basketball team. And for our topic at the intersection of sports and queer, we will talk about Shakari Richardson's suspension. After that, we're going to share our interview without professional soccer player Colin Martin. First, an update on Team DC. On July 10th, we'll be celebrating Pride Night Out with Old Glory Rugby. Team DC's member club, the Washington Renegades, will be playing an exhibition curtain raiser match before the start of the game. And DC's different drummer's drumline will be providing entertainment. That's me. Team DC is selling tickets that offer a 25% discount from regular box office prices. The link can be found on Team DC's Facebook page or contact Matt at teamdc.org for more information. Pride Night Out at the Washington Nationals will be August 17th, and tickets are on sale now. Find the link for the tickets on Team DC's website or contact Brent at teamdc.org for groups of 13 or more. United Night Out will be August 28th, and tickets are $30 and can be purchased by emailing brent at teamdc.org. Pride Night Out at the City Open will be August 5th, and tickets information will be available soon. Be sure to follow Team DC and its member clubs on social media for updates. Find Team DC on Facebook at Team DC LGBT and on Twitter and Instagram at Team DC Sports. Gabe and I will continue to bring you Under the Bleachers at underthebleachers.podbean.com and on all of your favorite podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast to help us out. And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe to Under the Bleachers for all the latest news at the intersection of sports and queer. With that, here's Gabe with our first topic in this week's trip, Under the Bleachers. Yeah, I have to plug it again. Please come on July 10th and watch me bang my drum with Old Glory Rugby. All right, so from our queer topic, June is traditionally the end of the legal year, and the Supreme Court took its final recess. Let's take a look back at a few of the rulings and decisions that have affected the LGBTQ community this year. So first we have Fulton versus the city of Philadelphia, where SCOTUS unanimously ruled in favor of Catholic Social Services of Philadelphia, which was denied a contract by the city because they refused to provide services to married same-sex couples on religious grounds. This narrow ruling leaves more confusion between LGBTQ rights and religious liberty. 
Last Monday, SCOTUS refused to hear a challenge on the decision in a case involving Gavin Grimm, a transgender student from Virginia who filed a federal lawsuit against the Gloucester County School District because of their discriminatory bathroom and locker room policy. Federal judge ruled in Grimm's favor in 2019. The decision was appealed and it was upheld by the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. And the Supreme Court also refused to hear a case brought by a Christian florist who argued that a Washington state anti-discrimination law that requires her to provide services to same-sex couples is unconstitutional. Many familiar names that were involved in the Masterpiece Cake Shop case were also involved. So there's a whole plethora of cases that are going to be out hopefully next year. The legal year starts in October. Uh, I chose these three just to kind of... Um, Give a quick recap, but Laura, what do you think of uh, these cases or the news of what SCOTUS has been doing? And uh, again, elections matter. Uh, it's not great, Gabe. It's not great. Not great at all. <laughs> no. Um, the Fulton versus City of Philadelphia case is really disappointing. I mean, to be clear, the services that were at issue in that case is adoption services. Um, essentially they upheld the right of Catholic social services to deny the right of same-sex couples to adopt children. This is bad for LGBTQ people. This is bad for children. This is bad for humanity. Um, it was a very narrow ruling. So the good news, I guess, is that it, you know, it certainly did not outright say that freedom of religion under the first amendment automatically trumps anti-discrimination laws, which, you know, a lot of conservative people argue should be the case. Um, but it's not helpful in any means, and it does not uh, bode well for the future, considering the current makeup of the court and how long that's going to last if we don't expand the court. Um, that's tough. Uh, now, refusing to hear Gavin Grimm's case left a good decision in place, but doesn't really shine a ton of light on what's going on. Um, there could be a lot of different reasons why this wasn't the case that they decided to um, take up. And same with the florist case, you know, I mean, that doesn't give me a lot of hope that that doesn't mean they're just waiting for a different case um, to decide to hear in the future that they're gonna use um, as the poster case to essentially say that people's religious liberty, however they personally choose to define it, um, is more important than the dignity and humanity of LGBTQ people. So yeah, the Supreme Court is not a good, uh, a, a source for good these days. That's more on the side of the dark side. So um, <laughs> we all need to thank Mitch McConnell for his everlasting legacy, which, you know, that is what it is. And um, fight our asses off to, first of all, continue to change people's minds so that we don't have to keep fighting these battles in court because they shouldn't come up in the first place if people would just behave themselves properly. Um, and also, you know, you got to start at the local level and move your way up and persuade every lawmaking body that you know that they should be um, you know, writing laws, passing the Equality Act and similar laws. And um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're gonna be fighting this battle about religious liberty um, probably for a very long time. Oh yeah, and I was looking at, uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch of cases that 
you know, obviously it, it's pretty difficult to get to the Supreme Court, but um, there are a lot of LGBTQ cases that are kind of in the pipeline that will be yeah. coming up. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, this is kind of like a first like test of what this new court is. And I mean, yeah, listen, if I had to guess, the current Supreme Court has priorities and hurting LGBTQ people is not, thankfully, their very top priority. Um, but, you know, they're looking for the case to overturn Roe v. Wade. They're yep. looking for more cases to do further damage to voting rights, which they just did the other day in a devastating ruling um, for democracy as a whole. Um, if we do not pass new voting rights legislation soon, um, we are in big trouble. The courts are going to be no help in this generation in that regard. Um, and without access, fair access to ballot box for all citizens. We do not have an actual democracy. So, you know, that's problematic. And I also think that the current Supreme Court wants to focus um, a lot of their attention on protecting the rights of corporations. And my guess is that LGBTQ rights probably slide in. They're somewhere. <laughs> or possibly as number three. But yeah, so I mean, that's like the only sort of good news, because I do think that that's part of why you're, you know, they're not jumping to hear every one of these cases. Um, but I, I think you can rest assured that when they do hear the cases, they're typically not going to come out the way that you want them to or the way that is favorable to uh, respecting the rights and dignity of LGBTQ people. Yeah, and it definitely has to come from all three levels of, or three branches of the government. We just can't rely on the courts, which I think a lot of people were hoping for or thinking like, oh, we'll just take it to the Supreme Court, they'll fix it. And it's like, no, we gotta work on legislation, passing laws, making sure that people are protected. Also talking about these different issues, making sure that we don't forget them. Um, like the whole Gavin Grimm thing, that was, I mean, that's been around for years. And I just remember people keeping it in the media, keeping it in the spotlight saying, hey, this is going on. This is a, and putting, you know, the story to a face and saying this is affecting this person and thousands of people across the country just like him and other yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, look, by definition, the cases that make it to the Supreme Court are important, right? Very few cases make it there. And whether you realize it immediately or not, they all have a significant impact on the life of people in this country. Um, the ones that relate to civil rights are the most obvious uh, direct impact that way. Uh, you know, the reality is people think about Brown versus Board of Education as like, oh, well, the court stepped in and saved us when we had a bunch of racists in government. And but you have to remind yourself that not the first try. Right. Because first they got it wrong in Plessy. Yeah. Right. Like the courts have to evolve like every other part of society. Um, the best way to do this, frankly, is to do it with the people and not rely on any one institution um, or branch of government to protect the dignity of humans. Let's start with trying to persuade <laughs> other humans to respect the dignity of humans. I don't know, maybe that's, maybe I am just naive, but I like that <laughs> the majority of humanity are at their core decent and believe that they should respect the humanity of their fellow, fellow humans. Um, so I think that's really your best bet these days to focus on. Meanwhile, I'm totally in favor of fucking adding seats to the Supreme Court and doing anything else we want to do to level the playing field here. Mitch McConnell has been cheating for years. 
they stacked this court with people who don't who shouldn't be on it if he had played by the rules and so i don't know why we wouldn't change the rules the way he did it's you know i'm fed up i've said this for months now that you know for the longest time liberals and you know well democrats and liberals have sort of wanted to keep the moral high ground about everything and i don't understand how you think you're going to win anything if you're not playing in the same battlefield right oh yeah definitely you know if i hear one more person talk about bipartisanism like i'm just this is ridiculous if you know the republicans have proved over and over and over again that they are not coming to the table unless they absolutely have to and as long as the filibuster exists they don't absolutely have to so if you actually want to see these two parties get together and try to start compromising the only way you're going to ever make that happen is by getting rid of the filibuster and forcing the republicans to actually come to the table because as long as they're protected by a rule that says yeah. that they don't have to compromise they're not even going to try they've made that clear they've said as much mitch mcconnell says this openly he's not ashamed of it he's not embarrassed of it he will tell anybody who wants to listen so you know, we've got a lot of problems in every one of the branches of government that we really need to fix if we want democracy to survive. But in the meantime, I just re repeat once again, if you want to, if you want human beings to respect human beings, the best way to do it is go straight to the human beings. I'll just say, well, yep, totally agree with everything. So I just hope one day that same sub couples can finally just, you know, have a baby or have a kid and that we can um, get a cake and flowers when we want to get married and, and go to the money. bathroom too. And go to the bathroom <laughs> and just go to the bathroom. <sighs> as long as you wash your hands. But one yes. One can dream. One can dream. Just, you know, just the basics. <laughs> All right. Let me go on to my sports topic. Uh, first off, I have to say it's July, which can only mean one thing. It's the CONCACAF Gold Cup, which is starting on July 10th, I believe. Or actually, yeah, July 10th. Okay, so 16 teams from North America, Central America, the Caribbean, and special guest Qatar will be competing. Is it Qatar? Qatar? Uh, that one. Will be competing from July 10th to August 1st across nine different cities in the U.S. I will be loudly cheering for the 11-time and returning champions, La Selección del Fútbol de México. And this also means I have to check in on my dad, who will not be leaving the house for a month. Also, please don't forget that the Tokyo Olympics will run from July 23rd through August 8th. Now for the story that's been blowing up my social media for weeks. Okay, so on June 19th, two San Diego area high schools, Coronado High School and Orange Glen High School, were competing in the 2021 Southern California Boys Basketball Division 4A Regional Championship. Coronado High School ended up ahead by three points and won the heated matchup. What happened next shocked the community. Coronado High School fans and players, which are mostly Anglo, celebrated, in quotes, their win by throwing tortillas at the predominantly Hispanic Orange Glen High School basketball teams and cheerleaders. The tortillas were brought to the game and were handed to the fans by an adult spectator who was friends with the Coronado coach. Orange Glen students, community leaders, and social justice groups like LULAC demanded an apology. Two days later, Coronado head coach JP, JD Liperi was fired from the school, was fired by the school board for his actions against the game. The, the California Interscholastic Federation announced last week that the team chant that the team's championship will be vacated, Coronado team players will be suspended until 2023, and that high school administrators, athletic directors, coaches, and student athletes 
must attend sportsmanship workshops that include racial and cultural sensitivity training. All right, Laura, so have you heard of this story? Do you have any thoughts? I know it's been blowing up social media and it's made it on the national news. Uh, this is literally the first I've ever heard of this story. <laughs> I am, I don't know what I am. This is, <laughs> you know, it's like there are some things sometimes in life where something happens and you just have to just stare it, into space for a while. And that's what I feel like right now. Because the idea that, cultural sensitivity training is required to make you know that you're not supposed to throw anything at people. At people? Tortillas. What the, what in the <laughs> world would possess? It was insane. If you watch the video, the videos are all on YouTube. It's insane. And you see this man who was friends with the coach handing them to the players and they're just this, throwing them at the other team. This racist man. Yes. Just handing out tortillas to the fans. Who like, later on on the news claimed that he's half Hispanic and that this was a celebration at his college and this is what they did, so it was okay. And everyone's like, no, this is not okay. I would like evidence to back that claim up because I've never heard of anybody celebrating anything by throwing tortillas around. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't care if he's half Hispanic or not. That part I'm not sure matters. Yeah. Um, most importantly, though, like, come on, man. Like, just you're an adult and like teaching sportsmanship is important and winning gracefully is as important as losing graciously, like behaving this way, even putting aside for a second, the obvious racism involved is just gross. And when adults like poison youth athletics with things like this, it pisses me off. Yeah, uh, it's the it's the whole like sportsmanship thing. Like you 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 won, great. You know, we, there's a winner and a loser in every game. And yeah, and sports game. is like it's such sports. a great opportunity for character building with kids, and adults ruin it all the damn time by showing <laughs> up to the games and not and behaving like complete assholes. Um, so you know, I, everybody needs to do better. Again, I don't know how many times and how many different ways I could say this, but the depths that humanity will will fall is always shocking to me but i refuse to believe that it's the majority of human beings out there like i think this guy might need be one of those guys that needs to be put in a trunk and lock that gets locked up and thrown into the ocean but you know the most important thing about this and i'm I, you see this all the time is like mob mentality like there's probably in that room you know a majority of people who never would do something like this on their own but once this guy starts handing out the tortillas, they're just like, yeah, let's throw the tortillas. Sure, and, why not? Yeah, so you need to remember to not get drawn into crowds that way. Like, always be yourself and always think about your actions before you do them. Don't join into anything because everybody around you is doing it. You need to stop and think, would I, do I think it's right to throw a tortilla at a teenage athlete? Before you throw the tortilla, just <laughs> people. Think for yourselves. Don't be a lemming. And if your neighbor is a racist, kick him out of the kick him out of the gym. And if your neighbor isn't a racist but still is a bad example of sportsmanship, kick him out of the gym while your kids are playing sports. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Like I was watching some of the clips with the the school board, and you know, you had parents who were mad because their kids are no longer champions and they can't go on to like the state championship and all those other things. And everyone's just talking about like, well, they need to become better players. 
They need to become better individuals, better humans. And understand, I get it. I get it. You just won this big game. It was super heated. Apparently, these high schools hated each other. And uh, yeah, they just they, they said, oh, we just got sucked in. And so, you know, a guy gave us these. And we were like, we're celebrating. It's like, no, think about what you're doing. Think about your actions. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty tough and pretty racist. And come on, you know what you're doing. Like, even if you're just celebrating or you're just like happy or whatever, think about it. Like, would you want something, I guess, not, I wouldn't say equal, but like something thrown at you, regardless of what it is? Like, no, don't, that's stupid. Yeah, no, I mean, it's all very bad. And I, there's nothing really more to say about that, except I really am curious what kind of cultural sensitivity training they think um, will overcome this, this kind of stupidity. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the know, thing is that same, like these are severe sanctions for a high school kid because a lot of people are going to lose their, you know, last opportunity at eligibility at a sport, right? Kids are going to graduate yep. next year. They're not eligible and you're not going to get that year back ever. And you're never going to be back in high school. And most of those kids aren't going to be good enough to play basketball competitively in college. So, but you know what, like behavior like this has been tolerated for too long and we've said it over and over without real consequences then there's no re you know people don't people need real consequences for real bad actions so it's a shame all around but it is what it is and i you know i think california did the right thing yeah and what would i uh i was gonna say like the, the only i guess positive part of the like this whole story is i saw how the community got together like there was a lot of people, I mean, you know, growing, I, I grew up in a like Hispanic um, like area in Texas where, yeah, your high school is like, everyone's tied to the high school, whatever happens, whatever sports, like the whole community, like we were always like the entire community was there like at PSJ stadium on Friday to watch the high school football team play and then basketball season. So it was nice to see the entire community kind of get together and rally against his kids and let them know that, Okay, yes, what they did was stupid. It was wrong. Um, but we're here to support you and we're here to take care of you and we're here to like let them know that there needs to be some consequences for their actions and we're not going to like let them stop until that happens. 100%. 100%. They all should have known better. Yes. Also, tortillas are delicious and are meant for eating, <laughs> not for throwing at students, not for throwing but at anybody. So if you see anything happen out there, please, you know, stop it <laughs> as much as you can. Don't get in trouble, but or get in a fight or anything. But yes, if you see something wrong, the whole Metro thing, see something, say something. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> For this week's topic at the intersection of sports and queer. So recent news about Team USA. The U.S. Anti-Doping Agency confirmed last Friday that Shakari Richardson had tested positive for marijuana use and will not be competing in the 100-meter race at the Tokyo Olympics. Shikari earned her ticket to the Olympics at the Olympic trials last month, where she won the 100-meter race in 10.86 seconds. Shikari tweeted, I am human, and acknowledged that she knew what she did was wrong. Quote, I was definitely triggered and blinded by emotions, blinded by the badness and hurting and hiding, she explained. I know I can't hide myself, so in some type of way, I was trying to hide my pain. So a little backstory. A few days before the Olympic trials, Shikari found out from a reporter that her biological mother had passed away. She stated she used marijuana as a way to cope with the news and apologized to her fans, family, her sponsors, and the haters. 
Richardson has accepted a 30-day suspension that expires on July 27th, which does allow her to compete in the women's relay. U.S. Track and Field has not released a full statement. All right, Laura, so I'm pretty sure you've heard this news. What do you think? What are your thoughts? I mean, I think it's bad all the way around. I think the war on drugs was won by drugs a long time ago, Uh, (laughs) and we should stop trying to fight it. I think weed is legal most places, and for good reason. Um, It should be legal everywhere. I'm pretty sure, if I read the story correctly, it was completely legal where she was. legal in Oregon. Yeah, it's legal in Oregon. So she didn't break any laws. The All she did was use a drug, and the Olympic team has decided that she should be suspended from competing for using a drug. This is not a performance-enhancing drug. I mean, I don't know about you. (laughs) Which is what they classify it as. Weed does not make me faster. (laughs) Quite the opposite, in fact. Um, Slower. I mean, if she was, if she was actually smoking weed and like right before she ran that race, like I want to see how fast she can run. It's crazy to, it's crazy to classify weed as a performance enhancing drug. It enhances nothing, nothing except (laughs) your ability to sleep. Um, So that's a really stupid uh, rule. No, that haven't been said. I acknowledge, and she has acknowledged, it was a rule. She was aware of her, that it was a rule, and she broke the rule. So, you know, it's it's kind of hard to um, quibble with somebody having consequences for breaking a rule, right? Like, this is what we were just talking about before. The problem is it's such a bad rule, and they need to reform the rules. Um, 30 days suspension. It seems ex- extreme, given... <laughs> 30 days was the, the minimum. I think it was supposed to be up to three months. And she only right, got 30 but, it, but I mean, again, That's it's a an lot. extreme <laughs> sanction for a stupid rule, right? Um, and I also think you should look at things in context. And a 30-day a day suspension wouldn't seem extreme if it didn't happen to fall less than 30 days before the Olympics. The Olympics, yeah. And I think when you look at this in context... Her penalty is not truly a 30-day suspension. Her penalty is missing the Olympic Games. And that is the worst penalty you could imagine in this sport. So she's getting the harshest possible sanction possible. And I have to believe that um, somebody, that they're, that that is, um, that's just not just. And we can't blindly apply... I am the first to say there should be consequences for actions. However, you should not blindly apply rules in a way that is clearly and manifestly unjust just for the sake of applying a rule. And in this case, I think that's what's happening. And I think somebody should step in and these rules should be changed retroactively and I, and she should be competing in the games. Yeah, because U.S. Track and Field was kind of looking into it because they made an update to their uh, THC rules or whatever. And part of it was also they lowered the amount that was considered a violation or they did they raise the amount? I, one of those. They made it worse. They made it easier, I guess, to pass the drug test because or they, they raised the limit because of. It was, it's like a weird thing on like timing, like if you smoked weed the day of or the day before you would test positive on the levels. But if it was like three or four days before, even if you had a mi- like a minimal amount in your system, uh, that's not enough to make it positive 
Right, like, but the, like none of that makes their, sense. In their new, yeah, in their new rulings, because they changed the rules. They're, they tried to make an update to make yeah, it. which I think they were trying to do a good thing. They were trying to make it easier to, for people to be allowed to smoke weed on their own time, right? Yes. But the reality yeah. is, because this is not a performance-enhancing substance, it shouldn't <laughs> make any difference the timing, right? Like, if it's okay to do it four days before, it should be okay to do it any time because it doesn't Anytime. make you any better. It doesn't give you any kind of an unfair advantage. Well, so, you know, then, then they were talking about, like, you know, Michael Phelps. They're like, oh, well, she, she like, smokes weed. It's like, so does Michael Phelps. Yeah, well, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other athletes. Right? But I mean, and I mean, that's the thing, right? Michael Phelps got suspended also, but the difference was that there was enough time before yeah. his next competition that he didn't have to miss any competitions. Like, that's not that's not the same, right? Like, at the end of the day, like I said, you can't just blindly uh, enforce rules when the enforcement of them is manifestly unjust, and that's what's happening here. Or so, who's the one uh, that? ate a supposedly ate a pork burrito full of steroids <laughs> oh yeah wait that was another swimmer right ryan lochte was that who it was no 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 i think it was it was also a track and field uh oh well now i'm out here just smearing the good name of ryan lochte who i think did something else shady oh he's an asshole too <laughs> yeah but yeah no i don't know listen if you're if you're taking steroids then you know that's that's a problem if you're smoking weed and you can still run faster than anybody, any human on earth, God bless you. <laughs> Shelby Houlihan. That's what she said that she ate a pork burrito and she's blaming a pork burrito for her positive steroid test. Put the steroids in the pork burrito. I have no idea. Some, some Russian. Some the burri- like there was somebody in the burrito cart that was sabotaging her. Yes. So, that, so that, that, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> this is... But she's still allowed to compete, I think. That's crazy. That's crazy right there. Um, yeah. yeah, I saw some assholes like posting pictures um, oh, of no, she's Flojo she's online and her long nails and then pictures of Shakari Richardson with long nails and being like, this is signs of taking steroids. And I'm like, yo, back the fuck up. She did not test positive for steroids. She tested positive for marijuana. Like these are not the same thing. If you've never smoked weed, you do not you do not speak up on this topic because if you think that the impact of marijuana is somehow similar to the impact of steroids, you a crazy person <laughs> and have no no business weighing in on this matter. More importantly, Flojo, to my knowledge, was never found to be on drugs. Right? Flojo yeah. had like a metabolic problem that caused her to die young it had nothing to do with drug use that, that has ever been documented that i'm aware of so these are just people out here just wanting to smear black women because when black women are really good and really physically like strong and and superior to other people they get super offended by that like and they they want to like disparage those women and bring them down somehow people just suck no, I did love that uh, Shakira was like, hey, I'm 21. This is just one games. If I can't compete, there's still like a bunch of races underneath my like underneath my belt that I'm ready for. I'm ready for more Olympics. And yeah, I mean, I and I do agree. Like her 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 apology was heartfelt. It was sincere. And, yeah, um, and I don't know that we were entitled to one. Yeah. Like what like, is she apologizing what, for? Yeah. Ugh, so you smoke weed. It's, Big deal. Yeah, it's super frustrating. Like People do legitimately terrible things all the time and get away with bullshit apologies. 
And this person honestly did absolutely nothing that was truly wrong and is out here making the best apology and well, still not getting treated right. Like I saw some reporters, they were all like, well, you know, she took drugs or whatever. And everyone was like, but it was legal. It's just the same right. thing. Like she was upset and sad. So she drank a bottle of vodka, like, <laughs> which is also, you know, depressant. Like, come on. It's the same thing. Like there's, there's absolutely no reason THC should be on any list relating to athletics and whether or not you should um, be allowed to compete in athletics. It makes no sense that it's even on the list. Also, maybe an athlete again, shouldn't take it. Cause like, Okay, if you smoke out and you don't feel like you want to go run, like telling anybody that you should or shouldn't smoke weed. Okay, I'm not out here. Although, you know what? If you ask me, I'd tell you most people probably should. It, I think it's good for you. I think it helps with anxiety. It helps with sleep problems. It helps with depression. Like, so you know what? I'm all for it. But it's a personal choice, and I'm and it certainly is not going to make you a better athlete. Yes. <laughs> right. If your goal is training, it is not going to make you a better athlete. And if you want to be as fast as you possibly can, it's probably best to not smoke a ton of weed. <laughs> but you know what? Again, this is not a substance. It's not harmful. Like there are so many things out there that are going to hurt you way worse. Um, so I, this whole thing is nonsense. I, I would like to think it could be resolved in the next 30 days, but I don't think it will be. If for no other reason, she seems to have accepted her fate and not be really fighting it. And if she's not going to fight it, then I don't think anybody else is. Um, so I think this is really unfortunate, but I hope maybe that this encourages people to take a hard look at these policies and change them before the next big event. All right, that's this week's Under the Bleachers Roundup of things queer, things sports, and things at the intersection of sports and queer. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to share our interview with out professional soccer player Colin Martin. All right, welcome back to Under the Bleachers. Today we're joined by Colin Martin. Colin Martin is originally from Chevy Chase, Maryland, and is a midfielder for San Diego Loyal. He previously played for D.C. United, Minnesota United FC, Richmond Kickers, and Hartford Athletic. Colin publicly came out in 2018, making him, at the time, the only out man out of the top five American sports leagues or any top division professional men's national soccer league. Colin was the only high school junior to train with the U.S. men's U-20 squad and has earned five caps. Hi, Colin. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you. Yeah, no, this is awesome. All right, so how did you first uh, start playing soccer and what got you involved in the sport? Yeah, so I first started playing soccer um, really ever since I could walk. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm one of five. Um, uh, we grew up in uh, the Chevy Chase um, area, like you said, and uh, my three older siblings were, were big soccer, soccer kids, and, um, and there was a big age difference between me and my older siblings. Um, and so they basically had a ball at my feet um, ever <laughs> since I could walk, and um, and yeah, so I started playing like, yeah, pretty early, like three, four, five. And then probably my first like real team around like, yeah, five or six or, or like, a my first, like maybe rec team. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Have you played no consistently ever since? Oh yeah. No breaks, no breaks. Um, and for the most part, I've never been there. There never was like a burnout for me. There were, there was a lot of ups and downs. Um, but I've, I've just always loved it. Um, and uh, even today at 26, I'm just like, 
I, I still try to remind myself how lucky I am to be playing. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes we get lucky and our, you know, our greatest loves find us at a young age. So I know kind of like kismet. Good for you. Um, yeah. do you have, do you remember having a favorite coach, um, over the course of your career? And if so, can you tell us about them and what made them so special? Yeah, I, I'd say I've had a, a ton of really good coaches. Um, and I, uh, I was doing a podcast not too long ago and I, and, and one of the people on the podcast mentioned that, like, you, uh, you don't always remember your teachers, but you remember every single one of your coaches. And I, when she, when she said that, I was like, yeah, you're completely right. Like, <laughs> um, so I've, I have fondly have fond memories of a, a ton of coaches, but, um, I'd say Pete Miller, um, when I was a, a young kid around, I think he was my first coach around, yeah, like seven or eight years old. Um, and he was my youth coach for, I'd say about five or six years of me growing up in the DC area. And he was, um, he actually was coach of the year for American university. Um, I think back in the maybe nineties, um, I think they either went to the national championship or they won it. Um, I should know that, but, um, anyways, he was just super influential on me, um, in my like really formative years of like, um, establishing like my technique and, and, and dribbling awareness and, um, pushing all the right buttons and, and, and making sure I, um, kept growing as a player. Um, and I think that foundation has really helped me, um, throughout my playing career, I guess. Awesome. What kind of uh, has been inspiring you throughout your career? I mean, starting as a young kid into now playing, um, professional soccer, what, what, what kind of led you to this? Yeah, I don't know, but I, I've always, um, when I was in fourth grade, I had a, a journal and, um, I wrote in the journal that I wanted to be a professional soccer player. So, um, I think that yeah. dream was always like really real for me, you know? And, um, it was a dream until I, I mean, even when I was like eight or nine, I had coaches saying, you know, like I, they would come up to my parents and be like, we think Colin's me a professional soccer player. And my parents would be like, what, like, what are you talking about? How do you even know that? Or, or he's nine years old. Like, um, so I think like, then it became a time, like in middle school and high school years, it was only like a matter of time, as long as I stayed on the right path, you know? Um, and, uh, the only thing, so yeah, it was my dream to be a professional soccer player my whole life. And when it happened, I'd say my, like one of my only regrets professionally is that I didn't uh, set goals beyond that for myself. Um, to do next. Exactly. And like, I didn't, I didn't like, you know, I kind of felt like, Oh, I made it, you know, like what, like in, in, and I maybe lost some of that hunger. I lost some of that, like, you know, like you have to have certain goals or, or things in mind for you to keep going, you know? So um, I think over the past couple of years, I've realized that and have, have tried to not be as complacent at times. Awesome. Were there any um, uh, particular like soccer players or other athletes that you looked up to? Um, yeah, I mean, tons. Um, <laughs> I would get yeah inspiration everywhere, you know, um, watching any any sport on TV. I, 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 I can barely find a sport that I haven't enjoyed watching and that I haven't just um, enjoyed uh, an athlete's competitive or, um, drive to win or drive to, to succeed. And, um, but, uh, in soccer, particularly, I, I really fell in love with watching Barcelona as a kid. Okay. And, uh, it wasn't until two years ago, was I able to finally go over to Spain and, and watch, um, some of their games, um, and, and watch Messi play live. Um, I got to, I got to watch him in, uh, 
Madrid against Atletico Madrid and he scored a, a game winner two years ago. And then I watched him score um, a hat trick at the, at the camp now well, and, um, and receive his, his uh, record ball and door. So it was like, it was really special. And uh, yeah, but like growing up, like Xavi and Iniesta, I don't know if you know those names, but mm-hmm. uh, those are guys that were my idols um, and that I was actually lucky enough to meet um, at RFK in DC when they were training in the lead up um, to the world cup in Brazil. Nice. Yeah, so I have pictures with, uh, with a, a bunch of the Spain team and, um, but yeah, those are some of my soccer, uh, yeah. uh, role models, if you will, I guess. Nah, it's very cool when you get to have a life experience like that, uh, sort of yeah. see your childhood idol up close, you know? <laughs> oh, I know. It's like, I mean, there's not many people that I, that I feel like I've like, that that don't feel real you know like when you watch so much of them on the tv it it seems like that's not it's a different world or something you know and then when you see them in person it, it's pretty sobering because it's like oh you know those are really yeah. just, uh really good at their job but they are just people just and, a guy <laughs> uh, it helps it, it helps i think to know that yeah no that's very cool Um, so it sounds like you had some natural talent that people recognized in you at a really young age, but, um, obviously not everybody, we're not all going to grow up to be professional athletes. Um, but I'm curious what, aside from your innate athletic ability, what other skills or traits do you think helped you along the way, um, to be able to make it as a professional athlete? Hmm. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, and I'm, and I'm going to bring you in a, in a, you know, in a weird place, but, um, I, I was doing a photo shoot the other day and being behind a camera is always kind of weird and uncomfortable. And, um, and not always is there a soccer ball involved, but there was a soccer ball involved. And I was at like a local park and I remember I was like, he was asking me to do some things and juggle. And I remember I could see like the people looking at me kind of, <laughs> and I remembered when I was a kid, I would always assume that people were looking at me. So like if that was at a game or a field or like it could have been a soccer tournament of like 50 teams. And I would just think like, oh, every single person here is, is, is there to watch me. So it was like this arrogance and this like, this like um, appreciation of like being able to perform that I always loved, you know? And, or whether it was like at like seven or eight years old, when I was doing moves outside of my front yard and cars would go by, I would think like, oh, they should come and stop, stop and like, watch me, you know, like it, it was, yeah. it's, it's weird. But like, I think that like arrogance and that, like, like thinking that you are special, like it, go, it can go a long way, you know, or like just, or on another side of it, just like wanting to perform, you know, and sure. like wanting to impress the people that are there, whether it's your family, whether it's your coach or I've always kind of wanted to like impress the people that take has have taken the time to either invest in me or just, just be there, you know? I do. Yeah. I think that's right. And I think for everybody, you know, whether you feel like you're a professional athlete caliber, or you think you're the most special person in the room or not, it's a good lesson to just always be playing your hardest and playing your best as if everybody is, does have their eyes on you because, you know, you always do better. So I think that's a, you know, that's a good insight. Yeah. And I think just, and even like, I mean, you see how many sacrifices, like you, you always hear the story of like, oh, you know, my mother was a single mom and, and, and she, she sacrificed X, Y, Z to make sure I could go to practice and, and, 
and go to um, and perform at the games on the weekend. And she gave the little money she earned to make sure I could go overseas to play in a tournament. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think it's important to like, to know the sacrifices that the people around you are making and try to make the most of it. Um, obviously I have a pretty privileged background, but my, my parents did invest a good amount of time and resource in me. And um, it was always fun to see that reward. What, what, what do you consider, I guess, like the highlight of your career or any of the special moments that he had um, on the pitch? So mm. far, we should say. So far, exactly. Yeah, so far. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. Um, I guess I should start having two answers, like a, a, like a purely soccer answer and then, and then like a, a gay answer, if you will. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'd say when, when I came out and uh, the next game I was able to play, um, I subbed on against Toronto and um, the whole stadium gave me a, a standing ovation. And, uh, and it was like, like really, really humbling. And, um, and I remember, uh, I don't know if you guys know Michael Bradley, he's, he, he was our U.S. captain um, mm-hmm. and uh, a very famous uh, MLS player he looked to the sideline when the ovation was happening and he was like, who is subbing on? Like, what is going on over here in Minnesota? You know, do they just give standing ovations to all their, their, their substitutes or, um, Who's this kid? Exactly. So, um, it was just, it, it was amazing to feel the support of, of, of the team and the fans and, um, and more so just know how big that coming out was to, to certain people. So, honestly, that probably will be, uh, bigger than anything I do on the field. Um, if we're being honest, but, I'll get you a soccer one, uh, one of these days, I I guess. Okay. For soccer one, um, I did like that. You mentioned the U S national team stuff. Um, I I think just representing them at a, at a youth level, um, was always something that was, I thought was so cool. And, uh, one of the, one of my goals and dreams that I haven't, um, done was to play for the U S men's national team. And, um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine it must feel so like almost, crazy like out of body to mm-hmm. take the you know to walk out on a field representing your country what a great cool experience yeah it really is um so that was a really great transition to what i to the, my next question um like you said you are an out member of the lgbtq community do you have some advice that you could share for young lgbtq people who might be nervous about participating in sports because of their identity mm, yeah um uh, on a very basic level, just know that sport is a place for you. Um, and, uh, it's an amazing place to, to meet friends and be active and just enjoy all the different sports we have. Yeah. That, that are out there. And, um, and yeah, just know that, that it, there's a, never should be a time where you shouldn't feel like you can participate or, um, yeah, at any level. And, um, just know that first and, um, yeah. All right. So take us back to the fall of 2020. So we're following your career. We talked about it on our podcast, but SD Loyal forfeited a playoff qualifying match when someone used a homophobic slur against you. So what was going through your mind during that uh, time? Yeah. Um, I'd say first, it, it, it would be, it's like my nightmare for my sexuality to have a impact on uh, a game, you know, like it, it doesn't make sense. Like those are two different things, you know? Um, uh, it has nothing to do with my ability to perform or, or me being on the team. But in this case, uh, I did have to stick up for myself. And um, I think there, there, the circumstances were crazy for a, a ton of different reasons. Um, but I think it's important to note that one of my teammates 
got called the N-word the week before. And we were adamant that we were going to be obviously supporting him. And, but more so like we wanted to be, we, we made it clear that like, Hey, if something like this happens again, please let the team know, let someone know the team, your teammates, the coach, so that we can support the player, you know? And in my instance, I got verbally, um, I guess abused and, um, I wasn't going to let that happen. And so I brought it to light. It's crazy that it was the next game. Uh, and, uh, it, 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 it didn't feel right to let that slide for me. Um, and I'm, and I'm glad I did. And, um, I, I think the, the positive outcome from it all was, it, um, uh, my teammates and my coach were able to show how amazing, uh, their support was for me and, um, and, and how that, that should be, um, the standard and, 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 in, in a lot of my experiences, that's been the case. I've been super well supported and, um, and there's some amazing allies out there. Yeah. And it's really encouraging to see how much, just how supportive your team was. Um, and it's, I mean, obviously it's so unfortunate that it happened during a playoff, uh, match and, you know, we all hate to see that, but mm -hmm. I promise you that, um, you standing up for yourself meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, all, probably all over the world, but certainly um, soccer fans in this country. Um, the, the story was everywhere. Like Gabe said, we talked about it. Um, so I, I really appreciate that you did that. I'm curious. Um, we know you got a ton of support from your teammates and your club. What kind of reaction did you get from fans or other outside people, other outside influences beside the club? Like in terms of support or, 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 yeah, I mean, were, were the, was the fan base in San Diego supportive of mm. the team's decision to forfeit that match? Did you uh, get any course. particular reactions online or whatever? Yeah, yeah. The, um, the supporters were, um, for the most part, extremely supportive. Um, I remember seeing some things about like, oh, why did you have to quit? Why couldn't you just continue the game? And I think those people didn't understand the circumstance and understand that like we wanted to continue the game but there was nothing done to the player that that said what he said to me you know and so um we were happy to continue the game but there was no justice being done there was no red card there was no um the player didn't take any responsibility um and so my teammates were were and and our coach coaching staff was wasn't wasn't gonna let that stand um so I think that you, you can, for someone that would be like, oh, just finish the game, like you can dumb it down like that. But I think um, ultimately the, the biggest um, uh, statement was to walk off the field, you know, and, uh, and I, I feel like it's never really done, but been done before um, necessarily at, the, <clears throat> at this level like that. Um, and so it was, it was, it was pretty special. But uh, no, I'm I'm so thankful for for the teammates and and the support of the club and um, and uh, yeah, my family and friends and 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 so I, I I've been well taken care of in that regard and um, if anything, it, it was hard for me to process a lot of the emotions of of that. It took me a while to get over it, just because I mean yeah, like you said, it was a big game and um, uh, we had worked so hard to get there. Um, I, I felt like I was playing well and, um, I just didn't want the season to end, you know, and for it to end like that, it was really tough on a lot of levels. Yeah. I, I hear that. That's a bummer. Um, what do you think, how is soccer as a sport and major league soccer here in the U S in particular doing in terms of inclusivity? Do you think? Um, I think it's 
um, potentially well ahead of other countries. Um, and I, I think that that might be the case, but um, I think the, um, an important part I think is that the fan um, atmosphere and, and, and fans going to stadiums, at least in the MLS. Um, and I, I think for the most part, the USL as well, um, it, it's a, it's an inclusive place and, and, and people should feel very comfortable going to games, you know? And, and I feel like um, even that's, there's differences between soccer and let's say football in our country. Right. Um, I've talked about not being that comfortable going to NFL games. Um, and, uh, and I, I think the initiatives that they have and, and, and even the language that they use in the stadiums to, to make sure that there's no homophobic language to make sure these, these, these spaces are inclusive. And they say these on the, on the PA system before every game. Um, I think that means makes a difference. And then, um, obviously having pride flags at every game, um, having pride matches where they really, um, hit home that, uh, their fans are welcome. And, um, and, and, and I think the more we can have that, have the community more entrenched within the club, that's, that's the goal. Right. Um, and my last club in Minnesota was amazing with it. Um, I mean, there was a supporter group of hundreds of, of LGBTQ people in the community that would go to games and, um, and, and I think that's what they're trying to build in San Diego as well. So, um, yeah, I, th I think we, we still have a ways to go, but, um, for the most part, I, I'm, I'm happy with the progress and, um, and, and more importantly, the youth level too. I think there's been a big difference in the past 10, 10 years with how we're treating, uh, kids and the language we're using in, in, um, to our kids and, um, uh, just being more aware of, I mean, even like, uh, uh, with gender and, and, and how we, um, talk to our kids and, um, just being more inclusive and, and, and giving more opportunity to women and, 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 um, yeah, highlighting their, their ability to play the game at the highest level, you know? And so, um, I, th I think we, we, we have some, some ways to go, but, uh, uh, I think we're, we're on the right track. So. Yeah. Very cool. Cool. And that brings me to my next question. Uh, do you have any advice or any words of advice to any young LGBTQ fans who might be following you and looking up to you? Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, if they're closet or not, I, I like to say just like trust the people that um, that love you and support you, you know, and, and, and give them a chance to to see you for who, for who you are, um, whether that is uh, coming out to them or, or, or just expressing how you feel, you know, because more often than not, I think those, those loved ones are going to be there to support you. And, um, if they're not, then don't let people that, that want to have, um, say bad things to you. Don't let them control your narrative, you know, don't let them keep you down because there's going to be going to be people at every stage of your life that are going to try to keep you down and, and be mean to you. And that's just, that's just a reality, you know? And so, um, don't let that get in the way of, of, of seeing where the real love is and, and, and your family and your friends and the community you find. And, um, and yeah, let that be, let that be the focus. And um, yeah. That's good advice. Um, what do you think it's going to take? So we talked about you being one of the first kind of a trailblazer um, being an out professional athlete. And um, frankly, there aren't that many more today than there were the day you came out. What do you think it's going to take before we start to see, um, significant numbers of out professional athletes in the United States? Um, yeah, that's the million dollar question. Right. Um, and I think it's clear that at, at every level, it's still pretty hard for, for people to, 
to find it in them to come out and feel accepted. Um, but more so even, I think it's going to take more strides at the youth level. I think we still see that there's, 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 um, kids that don't feel like uh, sports for them and they either quit at an early age or they find a coach that isn't as um, inclusive or they find um, all it takes is one teammate to say um, something that that is so off-putting that you don't want to show up to a training you know or or it can keep you down and um, I think we see that that is still prevalent Um, and so we're we're losing um, a large amount of LGBTQ kids that would be playing you know Um, from the very beginning. Yeah. And so the more we can let them know that they are, they belong in, in, in their sexuality or their, um, the way they identify has nothing to do with their ability to play the game they love, you know, um, the more we hammer that home and and make it inclusive where they don't even have to be thinking about it, um, the better we're going to be off. Um, so I think hopefully the more, more kids we have playing, um, well, there'll be more of a chance for more professionals to be there. And, um, but I'm pretty sure there are, there are still plenty of professionals that, that are there and, and, and they, they aren't ready to come out. Um, and I think the sad reality with that is, is that you might be, um, you might feel accepted by a couple friends or your parents or your brother, but all it takes is like one person, whether it's an agent or whether it's a, an owner, whether it's a, um, a coach or whether it, if it is someone in your family or friends to not give you that support, to be enough, to be like, you know what, listen, I'm going to ride it out with myself and, and, and keep on working on myself and, and tell the people that do care, but I'm not ready to make this a public thing, you know, and I get it. But, uh, but I hope that those, the, the, the many, um, affirmations of people saying, you know, we support you will be enough for more people to come out. Um, can you give us any previews, what we should expect to see from, uh, San Diego this year? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a great, um, a great team. Uh, we, we got a bunch of, uh, really well-established USL players, um, and, uh, a couple more guys on the way, hopefully. And, um, yeah, I think we're just going to be building off of what we did towards the end of last year. Um, we were playing really good and, uh, we have, our same coaching staff back and, uh, and they're obviously amazing. And, uh, so yeah, I think only good things. So we should be, we should be really good and it should be a fun year. All right. Well, good luck to you this season and thank thank you you again so much for joining us. This has been truly fun and inspiring. Yeah. Thanks Laura and Gabe. I appreciate a lot. It's always, yeah, fun to talk to people from my, from my hometown. So Thanks for listening to this episode of Under the Bleachers. Under the Bleachers is proudly produced by and a product of Team DC. For more information about Team DC, please visit www.teamdc.org. We want to give credit to Ralph Elston for the design of our logo. Also, our music is provided by DC's Different Drummers Marching Band and was composed by Travis Gettinger. You can always find Under the Bleachers at underthebleachers.podbean.com and on all major podcast apps, including Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share us with a friend who might enjoy listening. Under the Bleachers is hosted by Team DC board members Laura Frere and Gabriel Hernandez. All views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and participants of Under the Bleachers and do not express the views of Team DC.